I'm joking. All right, well, let's go ahead and get started. Um, because we are continuing to study Stoicism and Marcus Aurelius's Stoic Meditations, uh, one of the things we're going to come across here and there is, is the Stoics' understanding of sovereignty. Now, do they believe in a personal God? A God that would be like a father or a shepherd or a husband or a friend? No, of course not. They believe in a God that is omnipresent, a force, sort of a fire energy, if you will. Um, but they do believe that their it God controls all things. So in a sense, they believe in a type of sovereignty. They might say something like, when, well, actually Stoics do say that if the, their young child were to die that they must learn to accept the things that they cannot change. That's not exactly Christian, is it? We don't learn to just simply grin and bear it, to just accept it. We understand that the things that happen, the good and the bad, they are actions or providences that come from a sovereign personal God who loves us and who has a purpose for us, which is good and that wants to bless us. So while Christians and Stoics both believe in the concept of sovereignty, the Stoics' view of sovereignty can best be defined as fate. Whereas the Christians' understanding of sovereignty is not fate. It's the personal, intimate, all-knowing, all-wise, all-loving providence of God who works all things according to the counsel of his own will, and does all and works all things for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So it's a little bit different, isn't it? Right? Which would you prefer? Would you prefer to know that you are just a part of this force God and the things that happen to you are outside of your control and so you just need to get over it? Or would you prefer to know that all things, whether good or bad, are eventually going to work for your good in the long run. Isn't that better? And it's going to be done by a personal God who has made promises to you. Yes, the Christian understanding of providence is much better than fatalism or fate. Right? Now I want to continue uh, to talk about this a little bit more. Let me give you a definition of Christian providence. And you need to write this down. God is continually involved... With all created things, <clears throat> God is continually involved with all created things in such a way that He, one, keeps them existing. There's more, but let's think about what we've said so far. First of all, we've said that God is continually involved. He didn't just create the world and abandon it. Right? That's the, uh, the watchmaker idea of God, that he creates a watch, winds it up, sells it, and never sees it again. <coughs> what philosophy is that? Deism, very good. That's the watchmaker idea of God, that he's not concerned. There are other synthetic views of deism mixed with Christianity in, in that, that God is concerned about the big things, but not the little things. Also false. 
I'm going to show you that in a second. Or there's other views in that God is concerned about all things, but he's not in control of all things. The devil is the God of this earth, and he's in control of some things. Also terribly false. God is in control of all things. Before the foundations of the world, he decreed precisely what would happen according to his plan. And then he, in space and time, works in this life right now, even here in this classroom, intimately involved, making sure that everything goes exactly according to his plan. He's involved. You know what I mean? He's very much involved with everything. Absolutely everything. He knows the hairs of your head. He knows when sparrows die. He knows when each blade of grass withers in the sun. And he doesn't just know it. He caused it and he is involved with it. Okay? And he is involved in everything with all created things in such a way as he keeps them existing... As he created them, he keeps them existing. So you're not, you don't need to worry about one day turning into a toad. Right? He's going to keep you existing precisely as he wants to keep you existing. You don't have to worry about waking up one morning and your atoms disintegrating and blending into the atoms of your bed. Right? You don't have to worry about that. He keeps you existing precisely as he would like to. He also, second thing, he, he maintains you sustains you. So he didn't just create the world. He sustains the world, keeps it created, keeps it operating as it should. Okay, so you know the earth rotates on its axis. God created the earth rotating on its axis, but he continues to be the one who rotates it. You understand? He didn't just shoot it off and it's got English on it. And, and there it goes. No, no, he keeps it spinning precisely as it is supposed to spin. He also, here's the third thing, he cooperates with his creation in every action. He cooperates. <laughs> so that when Sennacherib chose to flee from, the, from Palestine back to Nineveh because he had heard a rumor that the Ethiopian um, king was on his way to team up with Israel. And because of this rumor, he had fear in his heart. And so he fled from Palestine back to Nineveh. Was God involved with that? Did Sennacherib choose to flee? Did God cause him to flee? Yes, absolutely. God causes all things to happen, but he cooperates with his created things to do that. When, let me think of another example. When it rains on our, on our heads, what is causing the rain? Gravity? What do you think? Does, is gravity part of, the, part of the equation? Precipitation? Condensation? All of these things? But ultimately, the Bible says God causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. So which is it? Is it God causing it? Or is it the natural processes of condensation, precipitation, evaporation, gravity, etc.? Which is it? It's both. He doesn't just keep them going. He is causing them. He's causing them, sustaining them. And and so he reigns, and we have all over the Bible um, examples of God causing it to rain and making it not rain. And causing, he even causes the sun to go back in time in, uh, in Hezekiah's life. The sun goes backwards. 
He causes all things, but he cooperates with his creation in those causes. So philosophically, the way we understand that is he's the primary cause, and, and we, our creation, is the secondary cause. And how he co- cooperates with that, I'm not exactly sure. No one's exactly sure, but that's what the Bible teaches. Make sense? All right, and I'm going to show you examples on all of this in a second. He also directs things. So the Apostle Paul's ship, when it was shipwrecked, was the wind involved, the storm involved, the sailors involved? Yes, but God ultimately caused that ship to wreck on that island so he would meet those particular people. He directs all things. He causes them to act as they do, and he directs them to fulfill his precise purposes. So he wrote your story before the foundation of the world, and he is causing your story to play out exactly as he wrote it, and you are doing it too. And you are responsible for everything you do and everything you choose. Ah, how does that make sense? Right? So are you a robot? No. Are you an automaton? No. Is that fate? No. But can we rationally understand how he can be causing things and I'm causing things and I'm responsible Yet he's causing them. Can we rationally figure all that out? No, Christianity is not a rationalistic religion. We believe it because it's revealed to us that way in the Bible. Right? Whoever believes on him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Amen? But whoever does not believe is condemned already. Are you responsible to believe? Yes. But is faith a gift? Yes. How can we... Um, make sense rationally of the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man. It's not easy. It's impossible, in fact. But that's what the Bible reveals. So do you want to be a Stoic or do you want to be a Christian? Do you want to be a rationalist or do you want to hold to the revelation of Scripture? That's the question. All right, uh, let's look at a few examples. And I'm just going to throw out these texts. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. You don't have to write these down, but listen to some of the examples of God um, uh, God's providence. Hebrews 1.3 tells us that Christ upholds the universe by the word of his power. How much does he uphold? The universe, all of it, okay? Colossians 1.17, Paul says that Christ, of Christ, that in Christ all things hold together. So how do we all hold together? How do we not all just, our atoms just disintegrate like in a nuclear explosion? All the planets go flying in multiple directions. How does it all work perfectly all the time? Because Jesus is doing it. Jesus is doing it. All right, Paul says, in Jesus we live and move and have our being. We have our being. We be. We exist in him. And we, and we make our decisions and move in him. It's, I mean, these are mind-blowing truths, but this is what the Bible teaches us. Listen to what Ezra says. You are the Lord. You alone, you have made heaven, the heaven of heavens with all their hosts, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them, and you preserve all of them. So he creates it and he preserves it. Elihu says, if God should take back his spirit to himself and gather to himself his breath, all flesh would perish together and man would return to dust. So if God removed his providential hand from time and space, Everything would just poof into dust. That's what Elihu says. Make sense? The Bible says, Peter says that the heavens and the earth that now exist are being kept until the day of judgment. It's very interesting. God is sustaining and controlling all things. Not the same thing as the Stoics' fate. This is personal. He has a plan. He has a purpose. He's doing it for his particular 
desires. Make sense? All right? Um, yes, but does that include every little tiny detail? What do you think? You think so? Does it include the directing of inanimate objects like constellations and rocks and rain? What do you think? Yes. Psalm 148, 8, Job 37, 6 through 13, Job 38, 22 through 30, Psalm 135, 6 through 7, Job 38, 2, 32, Matthew 5, 45. I could keep going. It includes rain and stars. Do you think it, it includes the feeding of animals? Yes. Feeding and the care of animals. Psalm 104, Job 38, Matthew 6. Like God is not only sustaining the whole universe. But he is making sure your pets, even Luke's pets, get fed. Right, Luke? Were your pets fed today? I think so. Oh, I hope so. If they weren't fed today, God didn't feed them today. But God knew, and he planned all of that ahead of time. All right? Does he also direct the affairs of nations? Big stuff. Yes. Job 12, Psalm 22, Acts 17, Daniel 4. What about... um, Seemingly random events like casting dice. If I roll some dice, does he cause the number? Are you, are you sure though? Do you really believe that? You sure it's not just a coincidence? He causes it. The Bible literally says that. Proverbs sixteen thirty three: The lot is cast into the lap, but God determines the number. Isn't that crazy? The horse is prepared for battle. Are you supposed to prepare the horse for battle? If you don't prepare the horse for battle, should you expect to win? No. Are you responsible to prepare the horse for battle? To train it, to feed it, to brush it, to armor it, all of that? But, then, but victory belongs to the Lord. And that, it, so it, you have like a primary cause and a secondary cause. You have God cooperating providentially with all of the actions in this, in this world. He directs all aspects of our lives. Matthew 6, 11, Philippians 4, 19, Psalm 139, 16. I'm just saying these things for people who are listening later. All right? All right. But aren't some of these events caused by natural causes, right? Aren't some things caused by natural causes? Yes. But does that mean God didn't cause them also? No. The Bible says he causes it and he cooperates with all of his creation. But what about our freedom and our responsibility to choose? What about our free will? Does the Bible say we're responsible to choose? Yes. The Bible say, if you believe, will you be saved? Yes. If you don't believe, will you be condemned? Yes. If you choose to sin, will you be responsible? Yes. But is God causing and sustaining all things? Yes. Right? Fate teaches that all is inexorable. It cannot be resisted. That's fate. And it's like mindless. It's not personal. There's nothing you can do about it. Chance or total free will teaches that we're all just doing whatever we want to do. And all the butterflies and the molecules are doing what they want to do. And and the outcomes are random and by chance. And nobody really knows what's going to happen. We could all implode tomorrow. So Christianity doesn't teach fate or chance. Um, Different religions do. Christianity teaches God's total sovereignty over all things and man's responsibility. The Bible teaches that God causes ants to store up in the winter so they have food in the summer. And the Bible teaches that ants store up in the winter so they have food in the summer. 
ah, you know, you see, you can't quite make sense of all that, but it's not a rationalistic religion. And the great news is that for Christians, he directs everything for his glory and our good. Right? And um, <clears throat> so we need to believe that rather than going with our rational instincts and what our college professors taught us or whatever. All right? All right, that's it.